We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime, Nate Green. Nate, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Jared. Love the enthusiasm. I love it as I'm sitting here watching a little bit of Monday Night Football. Guys, just want to apologize for not getting one out on Monday. I had family come over and, you know, just got a little uh, got a little behind, but we are here on this fantastic Tuesday to talk a little bit of baseball with you and Nate let's just go ahead and start this right off with I guess baseball talk uh and I'll ask the question are the Astros now cheating again <laughs> are they cheating again I don't know if they ever stopped honestly um it, I felt the punishment was very 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 light um you know it's like it's like when you have a little kid and, and, and they do something wrong and you're like, hey, uh, go go sit over there and think about it for a minute. and Or you, you say, go, go think about what you did for 10 minutes. And then two minutes later, you go in and say, ah, you know what, you're fine. And and the little kid goes out and does the same thing over and over again because like he was never actually punished. Um, and, and I think there's only one year that people are really talking about and I, I think it's more than just one year. And, you know, Astro fans can say it was only one year, but I mean, even when you talk to Astro fans, they're like, oh, we didn't even cheat that bad. Everyone does it. And I'm like, okay, you are the only team in MLB history to put a freaking um, camera in dead center field and look at the exact pitch the catcher's calling. And then they're like, oh, wait, we did that? It's like, yes, that is what we're pissed off about. Not stealing signs. That is the stealing signs that we are pissed off about. So I don't know if they ever actually stopped. Um, when you hand out a punishment that soft, it's – it makes the uh, it makes them want to continue until you actually physically do something like you know what they did to the Black Sox back in the day. Yeah, and funny that you bring up the Black Sox because I was I I don't know if I ever sent it to you, but I think Fangraphs had a podcast of former cheaters basically that 
like cheated throughout the years and there were a lot more than I think anybody has ever really thought of. I'll have to go try to find that and send it to you because it was one of the best podcasts that I've really ever listened to. It was I, I was just so intrigued in it and it, it was like an hour and a half of like the history of cheating in baseball per se and there was so much more that happened like sitting like a fan per se sitting in the stands and with binoculars and raising up a sign or putting like there was back in the 20s or 30s or something like this uh the giants i think it was had a light that would flip on and off for strike for a not a strike but for um fast when a fastball was coming a light would flip on or something like that on the scoreboard Oh, yes, I do remember that. You've heard probably something like that. I did, yes, yes. I've heard of most of these. So that's a fan. I'll have to find that podcast and send it to you. And then I might post. I know I posted it on Twitter, so I'll probably retweet it again or something. But, but yeah, as far as it comes with cheating, and this goes for anything in baseball, because there's a couple things I think I kind of want to address here. Actually, let's start with the Rob Manfred thing. Rob, I think Rob, this is going to be it for Rob Manfred. And I, I don't know if we need to really discuss that into further detail, because we really don't care about Rob Manfred. And I, I know you don't like, like him. I know I, I don't like him. I know there's a lot of people that really don't, you know, that don't like him around the league. And, in, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if at the end of the season, you know, we saw Manfred resign Manfred, like if, I don't know, I don't know how exactly it works, but just baseball basically let go of Rob, Man, Rob Manfred to find another, another, you know, whatever he is doing, because, at the current role that he's at, you can't really say that he's he's doing it, right? <laughs> no, absolutely not. He's he's been rough, um, especially this is going to be a really really key off season for Major League Baseball. Like this could be the first time that there's a strike since '94, and um, you know Manfred would be the reason why there's a strike. So um, I think if the owners want to make their money and the players want to make their money. Manfred is the guy who's got to go. They've got to find somebody else to uh, to get this deal done because of the way that Manfred did not negotiate in good faith last year during the pandemic. It was like, I know the rule. I can continue to fake negotiate, but by this day I have to tell you, you have to play. And so, yeah, he's he's got to go if we don't want a uh, another 1994 lockout season. Yeah, you know, if... And I know this kind of got off onto a different page, but if if any baseball is missed beyond the beyond spring training, like if they have to play 150 games or if they have to play less than that, man, I can't see Manfred sticking around much longer than that, just because he's not he's not a man of the owners, hasn't really been. He's not really a man of the players, hasn't really been. So what's you know I, I can I, I you kind of have to pick and choose your battles in a sense, but. It just doesn't seem like he's really, really done it. And, and there's a lot of problems in baseball. There, there really are. And it, it really stems to what we were just talking about, which was the, the cheating aspect of the game and the lack thereof a punishment towards, towards the players. You know, you, you let go of, you, you gave the punishment to A.J. Hinch and so Kind of. Kind of. He's, I don't know what part he had to play in it. When you talk to people around around the league, he's very respected, still very respected, and and very respected in Destro- in Detroit as well. And and I, I don't know what role he had to play in it, but you know, you look at a guy like Alex Cora, who is now with Boston, who he did get suspended, correct? He got the year. 
if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Per yeah. se, he he got he got a he got a year. Carlos Beltran got the year, and, and he hasn't been back. But it's at it's tough to talk about this and go back at it because something should have been done, you know. And is it the right thing to take away a World Series? I don't know. I mean, you can't give a World Series to the losing team. That's that's for sure. But it's did you need to take it, the World Series away? Probably, you know, you, you, you probably did looking at it. And you kind of just did what uh, the NCAA did with Reggie Bush and not have a Heisman winner that year. You know, like they just took Reggie's Heisman away and said nobody won it that year. Like could have easily done that with the World Series and just been like, hey, you don't get to keep this in your in your uh, stadium. You don't get to keep the World Series trophy. Nobody won. Just you know, yeah. sorry, you cheated. Yeah, Move on. you had the right time to do it with the with the pandemic and everything going on and. So be it. But the, the funny things that I kind of want to talk about is, is I don't know if you've ever gone back and watched, I, I think there is a game on YouTube where the Angels play the, play the Astros. It's a year after, and Martin Maldonado is consistently looking in the Astros' dugout <laughs> after he puts a sign down. So at some point, you know, people knew about this, and... There's always something that people in the background of baseball know about that doesn't get out to the public, you know. So, like if if Michael Fires didn't didn't um, you know put all this out to the public, we would never know about it, you know. Or, or this would be the first time we might be hearing about all this too, which would would be completely interesting. So there are things that Rob Manfred and, and people in baseball know about and. And worst kept secrets in baseball, if that wants, if that's what you know, you, you kind of want to say about it. So, I don't know if we really need to expand on it any more than that. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting that it's being brought up again right now. And I, I kind of, I guess, want to get on to another point that I like to make with this whole thing. And I said it to you off the record, so I'll say it on the record now. Weird, who's complaining? If you want to flip the switch again, isn't it? I know I've had my fair share of issues with the White Sox on this podcast and I've voiced my opinion on the White Sox and and who's there but again it's isn't it just really weird that the White Sox are now in the middle of something else you know talking out again I, I find it hard to believe that so this is something that Tony La Russa would say but then again would it really be you know, against what Tony LaRusso would say, would say in you know the clubhouse like oh you know maybe they're doing something and a player picks up on it and it's like a kid, you know, when his dad says something and the kid says it in class and it's like, oh, I didn't mean to say that, but he said it and, you know, you, you kind of get what I'm saying. Like, again, it feels like it's just the White Sox, again, in in the news, you know, for a negative reason. I don't know if this is negative per se. I don't think this really looks that bad for the White Sox, but um, I, I don't think a relief pitcher is really getting to hear from, from the skipper saying like, oh man, these guys are cheating again. You know, he's in the bullpen and, you know, doing his thing. So I I don't think that's the case. I think, um, you have, just the image of the Astros is always going to be cheating. Like even today, I hear it from, from some people that's like, I don't care who wins just as long as it's not the Astros. The Astros don't deserve to win another postseason series for the rest of their lives, the way that they treated baseball. And like, you know, it's, I, I agree, honestly. Like, it, 
if they if Manfred would have said, "Hey guys, you know, everyone suspended for the first ten games. You know, you don't get a World Series. You don't get the rings. Um, you don't. You still celebrated. That's fine. You know, we can't take that away. But you're not going to get a ring on your finger. You're not going to get a World Series trophy to to look at uh, because of the way you you cheated." Um, I think that's the that's the biggest problem is like that it was handled so poorly. It was like, hey, we're going to ruin the GM's life who really shouldn't have been in baseball. We're going to not really ruin AJ Hinch's life. Just give him a, a one year vacation, which, whatever. Alex Cora's again a one year vacation. The only one who really got uh, screwed in this is Carlos Beltran, which. Honestly, like I could see him getting a job this off season because the Mets are looking for another another head another manager. So um, it, it just it didn't punish anyone who was really responsible. Like, yeah, you can say the GM had some some things to say about this, but like the players are still the one doing it. You know, the players and the coaches are the ones doing it, and you know the GM's not going down there and saying, hey, if you're not cheating, we're, we're sending you down or we're trading you because he can't trade you. Because if he trades you, you go to the other team and say, hey, these guys are cheating. Let me tell you how. So, like, he, he can't be doing that. Like, So I, I think just the way that this thing was handled a couple of years ago and just the Astros having success again is, is the real problem. Um, I, I'm not going to blame the White Sox. I think the White Sox obviously – you got 26 guys in that clubhouse that are competitive and wanting to win. And um, to, to know that a team cheated, won, and did things the wrong way, like, it's just going to rub them the, the wrong way. Especially, I think Tapar was, was he on the Cubs when they won the World Series in 16? Um, he might not have been on the, the uh, World Series roster, but he might have been a part of that team the whole year. And, and probably for him, it's like, hey, I, I know how hard it is to win a World Series. And we didn't cheat, so that's probably part of it too. It's just like the competitiveness and the frustration from the fact that these guys really—they didn't even get their hands slapped. It was like patted on the back and said, uh, "You know, it's okay, little buddy." Like it was just handled so poorly. Yeah, as far as the trading thing goes, like I said before, worst kept secret in baseball. I think kind of everybody knew what was going on. It just nobody wanted to speak up about it. Somebody, everybody knew something was going on, you know, just, you know, didn't want to speak up about it, if that makes sense. And it's, it's an unfortunate thing that that's the way that it happened, you know, but so be it. As far as, I, I do have a couple questions and you can just kind of yes or no this on, on this side of things. What's worse, the Black Sox, Pete Rose, or what the Astros did? The fact that you have to think about this really puts it in perspective, and you don't even need to answer this because that that was just kind of the response that I that I was hoping hoping to get. So, next question: Is Carlos well, Beltran still a Hall of Famer? If, if Bonds doesn't get in, you can't put Beltran in. That's fair, and then the same goes for the same goes for Pete Rose, right? Like you can't put Beltron in, and and I've gone you know back and forth with this because it was at the end of his career, and it Beltron is one of the better dudes in baseball, and he wasn't cheating up until then, but the fact that you know this whole thing happened, and you, you, the first question that I asked you was what was worse between those three things, and and 
you know, we have the Black Sox scandal where obviously Joe Jackson should probably be in the Hall of Fame with everything that's, that is known about what happened with him. Same thing with Pete Rose. Beyond his playing years, I look at that and it's like, well, he should probably be in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't have it. Like, Pete Rose, the player, should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, the, Pete hardest, Ro- the hardest thing for me about Pete Rose, though, is did he bet on his own team or did he bet on other teams to beat his? Because there's rumors that he bet on, uh, you know, the Reds were playing the Cardinals and he was betting on the Cardinals that night. And if that's the case, then no, that guy should not be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, no, I, 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 I agree with that as well. That's my biggest problem with the whole thing is I don't know who he bet on and when he bet on them. Uh, like, did he just know, hey, we're throwing our number five against their number one and we're not going to win tonight, so I'm going to put money on the other team? Or if he was always betting on his team, I I don't have a problem with what he did. Yeah. And, and then the same thing, I guess, we can say with Bonds, too. Like, Bonds, some of his best years were before the steroids. Granted, his absolute best years <laughs> were you know, on steroids. And, and I guess you can say the same thing about Roger Clemens. Like, Roger Clemens was a Hall of Famer before the steroids. And, and that's the way I look at voting right now, too, is, you know, those guys were Hall of Famers before the steroids. So I guess we can kind of say the same thing about Carlos Beltran and maybe Alex Bregman down the road. I don't know. That's kind of tough because this is, in, this is basically in Bregman's prime. Like, if Bregman, I guess, continues to play the way he did, and, and same thing with Correa. Now, I'm not saying these guys are Hall of Famers, but... If Correa goes to another team and continues to play well, it's you know it becomes a it becomes a question. Same thing with Bregman, you know. Like, he's probably pretty close too in that. Exactly. So I I just don't know. Like it's weird that we're having this conversation again. Like I don't think we really got all this you know this whole thing out of us, <laughs> you know, with with where baseball was and and everything. So I have a feeling that we'll be talking about this a little bit more in the upcoming days, weeks maybe, depending on what the Astros do or don't do, in a sense. So, guys, as always, I just want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast here at Talking Halos, making us one of, if not the best Angels podcasts out there. We really do appreciate everything. I um, We're trying to get you know some a little bit of fan talk on here, so if you want to come on and talk a little bit of baseball, Angels baseball, whatever you want to talk with us, shoot me a message. We already had somebody shoot me a message and, you know, ask a question and I really enjoy it, you know, so if you want to shoot me a message on Twitter, Jared underscore Tims, if you don't follow me, go follow me on there. It would be fantastic. And guys, give us one minute to pay the bills. What's going on, everybody? I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, We'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you'll get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as other hosting sites would charge you just for the initial setup fee. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sporting experience. 
Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. And now, back to talking halos. All right, guys, enough with all introductions. Let's get this show rolling a little bit farther and talk some Angels baseball. And we did have a question given to us by a listener here. It's Michael Larabry. Sorry if I said your name wrong, but he has this question. He said, Brendan Davis put up some huge offensive numbers this year. Will he be a minor league free agent? If so, do you think the Angels re-sign him? I think that he is in some type of plan down the road. I don't know if he's a minor league free agent. He may be. I would be shocked if he didn't come back with some type of spring training invite. I'm sure he'll be at Angel Spring Training come March unless, you know, something happens where he gets traded, another team likes him. Like I said, the Dodgers did draft him, but Nate, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Brendan Davis. He did go to Lakewood High School. I don't know if you did you play against him by chance? Uh it's possible that he was there my we played him my senior year and junior year. If he played with JP Crawford, which it's possible he was a freshman that year. Very, very possible. Um, I think that he's Rule 5 eligible. I don't think that he is a minor league free agent. If I am correct, just looking at it, it looks like he's Rule 5 eligible. Um, So that could put some things into question. Um, Does he get added to the 40-man? And if so, then he's probably safe. If not, does somebody else take a chance on him? Yeah, I, I definitely think somebody will. He's athletic. He's got a good arm. He can play on the left side of the the diamond as well as second base. Probably play some first base, you know, just because he's tall. He played a little bit of outfield, so I mean, he can play all over the diamond if you need him to. He's a good arm. He can swing a little bit. I don't know what kind of power he has at the end of the day. Maybe more gap to gap. He's quick. I mean, he just kind of does it all right. But there is a bit of a hole in his swing, so I don't know. You know, it's you. The way that I look at minor league prospects is there. there's a reason why teams like the Dodgers and Rays get rid of guys, and that doesn't mean they're not going to be good. It's just that they see something in them. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, we've talked about this before, what makes good teams good, that's one of them. You know, when to give up on some of those prospects, who to trade away that may, you know, make you better. Hint, hint, the Austin Meadows trade. <laughs> The Chris Archer trade, I guess, if you want to call it. You look at it for the Rays, and that's an unbelievable trade. Granted, the Dodgers have made some bad trades in the past. There have been bad trades that these teams have made, but I don't know. As far as it goes for Brendan Davis, he's interesting. So just keep an eye on him, and I think he is still technically an Angels. So a little bit of Angels news as we're rolling on here. Scott Schebler was released, or given his outright release, I guess is how you say it. I don't even know how to really say it, but Scott Schebler is no longer an angel. Uh, Same with Andrew Heaney, but Andrew Heaney is no longer a Yankee. Nate, I know you want to see him back in Angel Red really bad. I know a lot of fans probably want to see him back, but we'll see kind of how that goes. Don't put me in that group. (laughs) I know, I know. He'll, he's going to get some type of contract. He'll, he's going to be around for a long time. He's a, he is a very good pitcher that just needs to, you know, figure it out all out, put it all together, per se. He'll be the Michael Walker of the race this year. 
He really, pitch for a little bit, go about four innings every start, and then that bullpen will ride. He'll have about a 3.86 ERA. But uh, people will be like, oh, man, we could have had that as an angel. And it's going to be like, well, he only went four innings a start, and they had the best bullpen in baseball again. So that's why they were successful with him. Not because, you know, he was really good. Yeah, no, I it, <laughs> funny that you mentioned that. Like, if I could put a team that he needs to go to, it's going to be the Rays, right? Like, he's going to pitch his couple really good innings. He's going to get run support. I mean, really good innings per se, and I air quote that because we kind of know what he is, but he's going to go to the Rays and kind of reinvent himself, you know, get new pitches. They're going to just like, he's very interesting sabermetrically, so I don't know. I I think he's going to be a Ray (laughs) before we know it and, and, you know, kind of be that guy. Uh, A couple more things, Angels news-wise, Shohei Otani was named Baseball Digest Player of the Year. Not really surprised by that. And then MLB trade rumors came out, and this is kind of, I think, what we'll talk about for the rest of this podcast. MLB Trade Rumors came out with their arbitration um, projection numbers, and it goes as followed. The Angels only have five players, which is kind of nice when you look at it. So Junior Guerra is projected to be $1.3 million, Phil Gosselin, $1.5, Max Stassi, $2.7, Mike Myers, $2.2, Franklin Barreto, $700,000. So Nate... Where do we start here? Let's start with Junior Garrett. Do you think the Angels bring him back? That's way too much money. I I agree with that. I think that he gets brought back to some degree, but 1.3 for you know the way that he pitched. And he pitched really well, well at the beginning of the season, but I just think that they really wore him out, or Joe Madden per se, really wore him out. So how about Phil Goslin? I think I'm fine with Phil's number. I, I don't think that that's a huge issue, but I think that you can only have so many of those guys on your roster, and I think we have four, right? If you want to, like, Mayfield, him, um, Regifo, and, and Barreto. Like, that's four guys right there, and I'm, you know, not even going into the Stephonics or um, guys like that. So I think his number's fine, Um but it depends on what you do with Barreto and Mayfield. Yeah, I'll, I'll say if Phil Gosselin or Jack Mayfield are on the Angels' you know, opening day roster, they are not a playoff team. Is that fair to say? Um, I think Gosselin could be on the roster. He just can't be a starter. Like He, he should not have 500 ABs or whatever he had this year. That's like, funny. you can't be a playoff team with that guy having 500 ABs. No, I don't. If he has 230 ABs, you know, that's probably fine. But I'm checking right now on the exact number of ABs. Yeah, 345, that's too many ABs. Like, that's got to be cut in half. Yeah, I agree with you there. Same thing with Jack Mayfield. Like, those two, I don't think Jack Mayfield had as many at-bats. But regardless, those guys shouldn't be playing on an everyday basis and, and if they are the angels are not looking like they're going to be in a good spot so max stassi i think we're both in agreement here he's one of the best defensive catchers in baseball and will be back in an angels uniform however the angels do need to find somebody to compliment him right yes absolutely i think that didn't get talked about enough this year with stassi coming off the hip surgery and expecting him to uh, to catch a hundred and 50 games or whatever it is so 
um, I think that's something that really needs to be talked about. It's like, hey, he was coming off hip surgery. You're probably looking at 80 to 100 games max from a guy like that. And I think he caught right around that number. So uh, I'd extend him probably like a three-year deal and because I think he's 31, 32. So if you give him a three, right, 31, 30. Something like that. You're in the right ballpark, so I, I we get where you're going with it. Okay, yeah, you give him – he's 30, turning 31. So, yeah, you give him a three-year contract, like maybe uh, – Nine million, ten million, twelve million, something like that, where it's like three, four million, and then you don't have to worry about a, a starting catcher for three or four years. So, I think that's something that they should look into, especially with his arm number being so low. Like, was it two seven? I think you said so. Yeah, you push that up to three mil, four mil, and say, hey, let's do this long term and give you three, four years and three or four million. That'd be a steal for a starting catcher. Yeah, there are you know the really good defensive catchers. And I don't know if you can put Kurt Suzuki in the mix beforehand because I think Kurt Suzuki was, he was a pretty good player, you know, before, like during his prime, like when he was Max Stassi now, I, you can say that Kurt Suzuki was, was, you know, he was a good player. And same thing with guys like, you know, Tyler Flowers, Jeff Mathis is, is one of those guys who it's like, he's still in the major leagues. He's 39 years old and, and still somehow getting major league contracts. Catchers, Certain catchers just seem to age like a fine wine, like a good cheese, you know? I can just get better with age, and, and Max Dassey, if he stays healthy, I can just kind of see him being that way. So I'm going to skip and skip Myers because I think we're going to have a little bit to say about him, and we'll just move right on to Franklin Barreto at $700,000. I am totally fine with bringing him back. He was a top prospect at one point of, for the A's, and he's got three more years. He's coming off Tommy John surgery, and I'm not, again, all that worried about that with a position player. I, I'm just, I really just would like to see what Franklin Barreto really is. I'm not saying that he needs to be a starter. However, he was a top prospect at one point. Like that, I, I value that quite a bit. Like scouts saw something in him. People saw something in him. So I, I'm, I'm good with bringing him back. I'm gonna throw a wrinkle into this. He's out of options. So yeah. If- are giving him 700k that means you expect him to be on the opening day roster and if you have him and phil goslin on the opening day roster you are not a playoff team no 100 I, I i agree with you i'd take i'd, I'd take my chances with beretto over, over goslin like if i'm getting rid of somebody I, I i think i'll take my chances with with beretto i know again hasn't really played since i mean he didn't really play that much in in 2020 he didn't play that much in 2021 2019 he hasn't really played that much so I mean I get it you know if they don't take the chance on him but again $700,000 for him to be a backup I'm okay with that again even though the Angels have some guys I could see them not bringing him back I don't know it's 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 a tough one that that really is a tough one so let's move on to probably the most interesting name on this list and I know that we have a lot to talk about Mike Myers Nate start us off with it yeah he's gone um uh, that's way too much money for a low leverage relief pitcher, in my opinion. Um, you saw what the Angels were able to do on the on the free agent market before the uh, the season started. They were able to pick up Tony Watson and Steve Ciszek, who honestly should be in the same role as what Myers pitched this year. Like if Steve Ciszek is the low leverage guy, 
and he throws up a 3.6 ERA, which I think is very close to what Myers threw up this year, um, you're, you're saying, wow, we got this guy for $1 million. That was a steal. Um, we're asking to pay an extra $1.5 million to keep Mike Myers around 2.2 or 2.5, I believe is the number. Um, it's just you. there are so many relief pitchers. Like we always talk about, there's a bullpen to be built out there um, for very, very cheap. And um, I think it was the Phillies. The Phillies went and got Watson, Archie Bradley, and Brandon Kinsler. And two of those three were on the minor league deals, and one of them was worth $5 million. So they spent on three relievers about $7 million. And I think, you know, most of those guys threw well for them. Obviously, they had Tony Watson there, too, who did not – who they ended up letting go, but there's just so many guys that you could get for $1 million or less. I mean, we paid Alex Claudio 750 k before Tony Watson got a contract. So that just tells you uh, how many relief pitchers are out there and how many different guys there are that you can go get for super, super cheap. And relief pitching is very, very important. I mean, you look at what Tampa Bay's done, you look at what the, um, what the White Sox did this year, like, those teams are loaded in the back end of the bullpen, and I think the Angels need to get there. But I don't think they need to pay a low-leverage guy $2.5 million. Like That's a guy that you can find for a minor league free agent, get him at $750K to a million. Um, and then, yeah, if we're saving a million and a half there, then you can go get a, a another guy to, to take that seventh, eighth inning role and give them an extra million and a half that no other team will do because we have some money to spend. So that's my biggest thing. I think it's a lot of money to give to a guy who only can pitch in low leverage situations. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, I mean, you look at it, Tony Watson turned into Jose Marte, Sam Selman, and Ivan Armstrong for a million dollars. Steve Ciszek was put in not good situations, not good roles. Granted, he gave up the most inherited runs in, in baseball. But, again, that's not a... Steve Ciszek in no world is a 7th or 8th inning guy. You know, I mean, you can have dreams that, you know, Chad Bradford is 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 back again. But if Steve Ciszek is pitching in low leverage roles and he puts up the numbers he does, he's getting a lot more accurate, you know, a lot more, you know... The, the Angels had actually... As we're talking about this, the Angels had a pretty decent bullpen when you, when you think about it. With Iglesias and Watson for half a year and C-Shack was pretty dang good and, and constantly rotating over the bullpen too. And Suarez was in the pen for a little while and he was good. And Berea came out of the pen, which was pretty good. So, I mean, the Angels altogether had a, you know, not a bad bullpen when, it, when it's all said and done. So, I think that's something that a lot of fans and people are kind of missing, is that Perry Manassian actually, you know, kind of built a bullpen. Granted, a lot of these guys that, you know, came in were drafted by Billy Epler, so you got to tip the cap there. But, you know, a, a lot of these guys probably would not have been up. The Kyle Tylers of the world, you know, the the Jose Martes of the world, Elvis Pigueros, Jansen Junk, I think, will find his way in the bullpen eventually. I you really got to tip the cap to Perry and staff for what they were able to do with limited amount, you know, in this situation. <laughs> I, I 
that that's kind of all that I have to say about it. I, I kind of have one more thing that I want to, in a sense, kind of talk about. And I know we're kind of getting getting a little long here on this podcast, but I, I kind of want to bring it up. And is it time for the Angels to jump on the AL West? You look around the AL West, and, and the Mariners are going to be a, a pretty good team. They're a 91 team, but there's the sophomore season of being good tends to be a tough one for a lot of teams. Granted, they have a lot of good young prospects still in the still waiting to come up, and they have money to spend, and we'll just kind of see where that's going. The Astros are losing Correa, Grinky, and Verlander. They're still Houston, though. They're still going to be a pretty decently good team. They brought Altuve back. They have Bregman, I think, for another year. So they're going to have to pay Guriel. Yep. Um, they're going to have to pay some of their young pitchers, I believe. Like some of these guys are getting arb years. Um, they just paid Lance McCuller, so it's not like they're going to have a lot of money either. Nope. And and the reason why I'm asking if it's time for the Angels to really push for an AL, the AL West here is because of this right here. You look at Oakland, and they're losing Starling Marte, Mark Canna, Jan Gomes, Jed Lowry. Their ARB guys are Sean Manaya, Chris Bassett, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, and Frankie Montez. And Oakland really doesn't spend money. Things could change, however, if there is a, a salary cap floor is that the technically yeah. it is yeah, yeah salary cap floor things could change with oakland but you know that that's i think why i look at it and it's like oakland might do some really weird things this offseason and the rangers are are kind of a little ways out so i, I don't know but when it comes to the al west Nate, is it time for the angels to really make a push at it oh, it's been time for a long time but i think it's really funny you bring up the oakland A's because <laughs> one of the guys you mentioned them losing signed a minor league contract um, Jed Lowry signed like a minor league deal or one and a half million deal. Um, it, it's comical that we're talking about the A's losing a guy who signed a minor league contract. That's fair, like, right? Yeah. Isn't that hilarious? Like they're gonna go find another guy that does the exact same thing, and he's going to come out and they're gonna sign him. And I don't know. It's it's just very comical to me to to say that we're we're afraid of Oakland losing a minor league free agent. They, and then the other guys that, that we're bringing up, Starling Marte, they got him in, in the second half. And honestly, Oakland played the worst baseball in the second half. So Starling Marte and Jan Gilms, both second half acquisitions, played when the Oakland A's were very bad at baseball. So I, I don't know. I, Oakland's always a team that, that we sit there and go, okay, they're done. Their, their dynasty or whatever you want to call it is over. Um, they're they're going to go back to being worse than the Texas Rangers were this year. Um, I, I think this is the year, though, that I feel like the Angels have been in the same spot for about six years where there's one team that is really good. You would say that Seattle's got the, the core group to be really good. Um, and then you have another team that could be really good depending on how their offseason goes, and I think that's Houston. And then you have the Dark Horse, um, Oakland A's, which I feel like it's been the Dark Horse, Texas Rangers slash Seattle Mariners the last couple of years, and the Astros and A's were that like cemented one too. So the Angels have always been kind of, hey, we're gonna we're gonna be fine with third or fourth place. So um, I think the biggest thing that that the Angels have going for them though is they're gonna have about fifty to sixty million to play with this offseason. No Albert Pujols contract. Um, 
I, and that that could be huge for them. I think sixty million is a lot to play with. Fifty million is a lot to play with. I know they have a bunch of holes, but some of those are going to be able to to be filled by some minor league guys or you know some young guys like Joe Dalbrand and Marsh, where it's not going to cost the Angels that much. So if the Angels actually do spend fifty or sixty million, and they go spend it, you know. 35, 40 million on two really good starting pitchers and maybe make a trade here or there. They're going to put themselves in a really good spot. But I mean, this is something we've talked about for six years now. Are they actually going to go get pitching? I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, well, we can leave it at that. I, I think that this is going to be something that we're going to talk about all offseason and it's just kind of the beginning. I'm I think I say this every single podcast, but I'm going to continue to say it. I'm excited for this offseason. It'll be very interesting to see what they do. I'm interested to see what kind of leverage Perry Manassian has as a GM. I'm interested to see who Joe Madden wants. I'm interested to see who Artie Moreno wants. I think that's the three big things. It's it's how much, you know, how much do you trust Perry? How much does the organization trust Perry, that's Artie Moreno and John Carp or um, John Carpino. And, you know, how much of a factor does Joe Madden play in it? Because Joe Madden's contract comes up after the end of the year too. So I'm there's a lot there's a lot of storylines this offseason and and we will just kind of see how it plays out. So Nate, any final thoughts before I let everybody go? I know we let this one go a little longer, but I'm okay with it. We had some good conversations. No, I, I'm all good. I want a mic drop on my last comment. Perfect. That's fantastic. I like it. So guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you guys could go subscribe to this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, leave us a review, five-star review if you think we deserve it. If not, tell us why we don't deserve a five-star review. Go follow us on all our social medias, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can follow myself at Jared underscore Tim's on Twitter. You can follow Nate at NateGreen34. And guys, thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of your day. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.